Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever gotten to the place in life, at the end of the day, you're just physically exhausted? Everybody like that? Okay, maybe some of you feel like that right now. A few weeks ago, my mother-in-law, uh, she's been living in a small studio apartment after my father-in-law had a stroke, and so that was supposed to be temporary, but now we've realized that this is probably going to be where things are going to be. So a couple weeks ago, Laura and I went down to, or went up to Terre Haute, or Terre Haute, Fort Wayne, <laughs> where I used to live, and uh, we, we uh, got everything at the house, uh, loaded up into the truck, and moved over to her place, which is about 30 minutes away, moved into her new apartment then, then we had to move out of her stuff out of her old apartment into her apartment, and I tell you what, by the end of the day, I was exhausted, just lifting furniture, boxes, y'all know that feeling, and the next morning, we, we, we spent the night, we just put an air mattress out on the floor at the house, and we slept there at the house, and the next morning, we got up, and, and my mother-in-law had given us the bedroom suit from the guest bedroom. And so Laura and I loaded that up our, ourselves, the dressers and everything like that, and drove the truck down to Indy. And then it was a thousand degrees hot. And we were trying to unload that truck. In fact, finally, Laura said, I can't do this. And uh, a little a strapping young man ran by and I said, hey, you want to help? Ten bucks. He said, I'll do it for free. And so God provided somebody and he came over and we got everything loaded. But I tell you, by the end of that night, I was just exhausted. Have you ever been in that place where you're just out, almost out of your mind exhausted? You're just like, you can't see straight, you can't think straight. A lot of you are bobbing your head, because I think we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Have you ever not only been physically exhausted, have you ever been mentally exhausted? Mentally wore out. So as you all know, we, we have this weight loss ministry, and, and we've never really focused it specifically. We've used it as a side door ministry for churches in sharing the gospel, but we've never specifically developed it as a what you might call a discipleship type of ministry. So, um, so we've been totally reworking it, and I told somebody it's like re- redoing my doctorate because the book itself is 147 pages, and I've had to record 50 videos, and I've had to build a website, and, and I've just had to do hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work. And sometimes by the end of the day, I'm just like, I can't think. I'm just, I just can't think. I'm exhausted. Have you ever been there where you're just like mentally absolutely exhausted? Have you ever been emotionally exhausted? Maybe you're dealing with a family member, and it's just like a roller coaster. You're on a high, then you're on a low. Then you're on a high, then you're on a low. And you just get to the point where what used to make you cry, you don't cry anymore. You're just numb. What used to get you upset, you don't get upset anymore. A lot of you all are shaking your head, right? Because we've been there, right? You've been emotionally wore out. You're tired. You're just, quite frankly, burned out. You're exactly drained. And, and when we get emotionally tired, when we get physically tired, when we get mentally tired, we are setting ourselves up for burnout. And it's easy to get burned out. And, and, and when you get burned out, you just like hit the wall. You can't think anymore. You can't, you can't work anymore. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You are just totally burned out. You are tired, and, and you, just, you just can't do it. Now, is it a sin to be burned out or a sin to be tired? No. It's not a sin to be tired. We all get tired, right? We all are humans. 
We all have a finite amount of energy, and the older you get, it seems like the less energy you have, right? It, it, you kind of get depleted quicker, you know, the tank runs out a little faster. And, and so the older we get, we just have a finite amount of energy, and, and so at the end of the day, sometimes we just get burned out. But, so being burned out is not necessarily sin. Being exhausted is not necessarily sin. Exhaustion can lead to burnout, and burnout is not necessarily sin, but if you're not careful, it can lead to sin, Right? I, I told you that little acronym we've talked about a few weeks ago, HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. That when we're in either one of those four phases, a lot of times we're set up to do sin if we're not careful. Because when we're tired, when we're burned out, I mean, that's when we're vulnerable. That's when Satan strikes. That's when we tend to do things that we wish we had never done. That's when we're easily angered, right? That's when our fuse is real short and we can just explode like that. And when we're tired, usually, at least me, I'm not really that sociable. I, I really just leave me alone. I'm done. I'm done. Just leave me alone. So it's real easy when we're tired to fall into sin. Now, so we know we all have experienced physical exhaustion. We've all experienced mental exhaustion. We've all experienced emotional exhaustion. Have you ever experienced spiritual exhaustion spiritual exhaustion and guys i left the clicker upstairs it's not down here so just just follow along with me so it's easy to get spiritually exhausted right anybody ever felt like they're spiritually exhausted it's okay to admit it. i will all right there's been times that i just feel like i have been burned out spiritually and, 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 you know, and, and the question is, how does that happen? How can a person who loves Jesus, who loves the, to read the Word of God, who loves Christ with all his or her heart, how can that person get spiritually burned out? How does that happen? And you probably know people who have dropped out of church, who have dropped out of their walk with Christ, and things like that. How does that happen? And, and I know sometimes in church, like, well, if you're really spiritual, you'll never get spiritually burned out. That's a bunch of baloney. Because I'm going to tell you, there are people in the scriptures who are spiritual giants who got spiritually burned out. Now, I teased the group on Wednesday night. Thanks, Rob. Uh, I teased the group on Wednesday night. I said, uh, the person I'm going to talk about begins with an E, and everybody tried to figure it out. And I said, it's not Ethel. So if you want to know who it is, well, turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19. Because I want you to look at a spiritual giant. I would consider him a giant. In fact, his name's Elijah. In fact, I love Elijah and Elisha. I think those are like the two coolest prophets. I mean, if there were sunglasses back then, I could just see Elijah wearing some sunglasses, all right? This and, Eli and Elisha and Elijah both, I mean, they were like, they were like cool. I mean, if you want to read some stuff, read, read First Kings and stuff there about them. But Elijah, Elijah was this great prophet of God. And, and we're going to go to First Kings 19. But I want to back up because in First Kings 18, Elijah had had this huge mountaintop experience. And you probably know the story. So Elijah is the prophet there. And basically, the nation of Israel has turned against God. They're worshiping these idols. They're worshiping the Baals, uh, the Baal and idol. And, and King Ahab, he's just rotten to the core. And then he's got his wife with the famous name, Jezebel. Y'all probably heard of Jezebel. You know, I mean, his name sounds bad, right? So he's got Jezebel, Ahab's wife's Jezebel. They're the king and queen. I mean, it's just a bad place. And you know, probably know the story. Elijah finally says, okay, this is it. And, and so Elijah at one point went to Ahab and said, look, if you don't change your ways, there's not going to be any rain on this land. And so for the last three years, there had been no rain. 
I mean, uh, Elijah said, no rain, it's over. Now, again, physically he didn't have that ability, but God did. And God had told him this is what's going to happen. And so Elijah went to the king and said, unless you change your ways, it's not going to rain. It didn't rain. So it's been three years without rain. And Elijah's like, okay, the king's not repenting. The people aren't repenting. Even though there's this judgment on the nation, nobody's turning back to God. So it's time to end this. So he says, okay, Ahab, that was the king. You get the prophets of Baal up here on the mountain, Mount Carmel, and we're going to have a little showdown. And so you probably know the story. The 450 prophets of Baal come up there. They build their altar. They put their sacrifices on there. And Elijah says, go to it, boys. And they start dancing around and holler, and they start cutting themselves and things like that. And they go on for hours and hours. And Elijah, you know, he puts on his shades, and he's just kind of leaning up against the altar with his shades on. He's like, <laughs> Maybe he doesn't hear you. Hey, maybe he's out sleeping. Could be at the grocery store. You know, he's just, he's just messing with him and toying with him, you know. And they're sitting there cutting themselves and hi, 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 And finally, they just give up. Elijah says, okay, boys, my turn. Now, remember, this is 450 to 1. So he tells the people, okay, I want you to rebuild God's altar. Because God's altar had been basically destroyed. It was just laying there in ruins. So Elijah, they start building the altar back. And he says, okay, uh, put the sacrifice on it. And he says, I'll tell you what, uh, let's dig a trench around this thing. So they dig a trench around it. And he says, let's pour some water in it. And they fill it up. And he says, oh, let's do it again. And they put more water. And let's do it again. I mean, they, the water is just flowing off the altar. They keep pouring. All, they've drenched the altar with the water there. The altar is totally drenched. The, the trench is totally filled. And, and, and so here it is. Now, here are all the priests of Baal. They're all bloodied and cutting them, have cut themselves. They're standing around. Nothing's happened all day. Elijah's there at the altar. They get it built. He's got it soaked with water. And he's like, he just walks over and says, God... You know, show yourself to these people. And you know the story. The fire comes down and just totally decimates the altar, the sacrifice, licks up all the water, and the people fall on their faces and say, wow, the Lord is God. And Elijah says, party's over. And he takes the 450 prophets out and they kill him. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. And so that was huge. 450 to 1, God wins, always does. So Elijah's had this mountaintop experience right there in front of the people. He has shown that God is the one true God. Then Elijah goes off to, uh, with his servant and he starts praying for rain because the people repented. They said, You're, the Lord is the one true God. We want to return to God. And so Elijah goes off and he prays. You probably know the story. He tells his, his uh, servant, go out there and look for a cloud. Doesn't see one. He comes back. He says, go out again. He goes out and eventually he says, I see a little puff in the sky. And, uh, and, and Elijah says, you better get going, it's going to rain. And that little cloud grows into this humongous thunderstorm. And so rain, finally, after three years, rain coming down the lamp. And so Elijah sees, you know, Ahab, he's getting in his chariot. He's going to go back and tell Jezebel. And, and the, the other cool thing that happens is Elijah tucks his cloak into his belt, and he takes off running So because uh, he's going to go back there to the palace. And, and I think because he's hoping that when Jezebel hears what's happened, she's going to repent. And so he runs. And by the way, if you want to know the distance, it was 17 miles, and he outran the chariot, and he gets there before Ahab gets there. I mean, it was kind of like a Superman moment. I mean, this is just really really, really, really cool. And so that's the story. And so he has had this incredible mountaintop experience and things like that. But here's the thing. 
A lot of times, when we have great success, it's followed by stress. After every mountaintop, many times there's a valley. After every high, there's almost always a low. And so, so Elijah there, he, he, he has ran and he's, he's come to them and he, he's there at the palace where they have and, and things like that. And he's had this huge mountaintop experience. Maybe you've had those mountaintop experiences. Have you ever had those? Been to youth camp? Kumbaya. Anybody ever been to youth camp? And you're like, Lord, yes. Oh, this is awesome. Or you've been to a, a, a revival service at church, like, you know, and you go down the altar and yes, I'm going to change my life and things like that. But then suddenly after that big mountaintop experience, there's a valley that you hit. Well, you know, here's the deal. Let me just share with you the reality. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have abundant life. You say, what does that look like? You know that this world is temporary. You know that everything here is going away. You know that this is not our home. And you know there's something beyond this. And you know that you're going to heaven if you know Jesus as your Savior. You say, how do you know you're going to heaven if you know Jesus? Because he's the only one that died on the cross for your sins. And he rose again. And so if you've responded to him in faith and said, Lord, I need a Savior, please save me, and you've asked him to come into your heart and repented of your sins, he will save you. And, and Jesus said, when you do that, I'm going to give you abundant life. But that doesn't mean that life's going to be free of trouble. Because Jesus also says, in this world you will have trouble. And in fact, when you look out throughout all the scriptures, those men and women of God all had trouble. And Elijah is no different. That's where it picks up. First Kings chapter 19. Look at this. So Ahab gets there. He gets to the palace and here's what it says. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. Hey, he killed the 450 prophets. Hey, the fire came down and licked up the altar. Hey, it's raining. Don't you see? Elijah prayed for rain. I mean, he's, he, he's telling her everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now, I kind of, the Bible doesn't say, but I got a feeling that the reason Elijah ran, outran Ahab, was so he could be there to hear and to see. Because I think he was hoping that Jezebel would say, I've been wrong. Yes, truly, Baal is not a god. Yes, the one true God of Israel is the God of Israel. Wow, it's raining. Okay, I'm wrong. I got a feeling that Elijah was hoping she would repent. Did she? Oh, no. No. In fact, look at verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me. Notice she's still thinking those multiple gods. May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What's she saying? I'm going to kill you. I, the, king, the queen of Israel... I'm going to kill you. She's not thankful that it's raining. She's not thankful that the people have repented and returned to the one true God. She wants to kill him. Let, let me just share with you a reality. You're going to have trouble in life. All right, let's just get that out of the way. All right, none of this easy-peasy Christianity stuff, trust God and life's going to be hunky-dory. Not true. We're all going to have things we have to deal with. Jesus said that. You're going to have trouble in this life. And the reality is people are going to ridicule you for what you believe. It's just going to happen. Satan is going to fight against you. You're going to face temptations in your flesh. You're going to face temptations to sin. You're going to face the temptation to quit on God. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be tempted to follow the majority and sleep in on Sunday, right? 
I have to admit, sometimes when that alarm clock goes off at 5.15 on Sunday morning, I really want to hit that snooze button, right? You're, you're going to face those temptations. You're going to face the temptation to spend time in God's Word, to skip t- that time in God's Word. You're going to face those temptations. Oh, I got too many things to do. I get it. I face those temptations too. And so we're all going to have trouble in this world. So after this huge mountaintop experience, all he gets from Jezebel is, I'm going to kill you. So look what happens. Verse 3. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Now, let me just stop right there and give you some signs of spiritual burnout. All right? And because some of you might say, hey, that's me. First of all, let me just give you a few signs of spiritual burnout. Number one, there's a depreciation of your own work, or you underrate your work. Elijah here, he, he's like, you know, he, he really thought Jezebel would see the light. He thought this was going to be great. This was going to be a turning point, and she doesn't. And so Elijah said, I'm no better than my ancestors. It, it, it's almost like he's saying, God, I just can't, I can't be good enough. I, I just can't, I can't get, get her to change. I just can't get this thing to turn in the right direction. Now, let me just share with you something. And I, it's something that I have struggled with all my life, probably will. But here's the deal. And by the way, I'm preaching this to me this morning, so y'all just listen in. Here's the deal. You can't control other people. And you're not responsible for how they respond. You can't control other people. And you're not responsible for how they respond. I mean, Elijah, I'm sure, wanted Jezebel to return to the Lord or even know the Lord. Didn't do it. And Elijah probably felt some responsibility. He was probably hoping that because of this, everything would change in Israel. That they would return to God. That that there would be a great revival in the land. They'd already seen it on Mount Carmel. And I'm sure he was hoping if the king and queen would repent, then the revival would start throughout the whole land. And when it didn't happen, Elijah's just like, I just can't do this. I'm just a failure. I'm just going to give up. I'm just a failure. And, and if you're right now, if you're, if you're that way, if you're like, Lord, I'm just a failure. Look, I, I hear you. I've been there. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm no better than this person and that person or whatever. In fact, that's another sign of spiritual burnout. And that is, first of all, we depreciate our work. Second of all, when we compare ourselves to others, that's a sign of spiritual burnout. I'm no better than my ancestors. Well, look look at Jacob. Look at what he did. Or look look, look at what Moses did, for crying out loud. Or look at at what David did. Or or look at the other prophets, you know. Look look at what those prophets have done. God, I'm no better. I just, I'm no good. Because there were other prophets who saw great national revivals. And I can't. You see, when you and I start comparing ourselves to others, it's a sign that maybe we're spiritually burned out. Start saying things like, well, 
you know, I don't know the Bible as well as so-and-so, so I guess I really shouldn't say anything. Or, uh, you know, I, I've never been asked to teach a Sunday school class, so I'm just worthless. You know, look at so-and-so, look at what she's done, and things like that. And it's so easy. If we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and depreciating ourselves, we are possibly in a moment of spiritual burnout. And I'll show you a third thing that happens. And when another sign of spiritual burnout is just when you shut down. And maybe some of you are like that this morning. Maybe some of you are watching on Facebook this morning. You're just shut down. In fact, you may not even be sure why you clicked on this broadcast. You're just like, I don't know why. I'm just, you're just shut down. You're just tired. There may be some watching this morning. You've stopped going to fellowship somewhere because you've been hurt. So you quit. And you're burned out. Maybe you used to be a Sunday school teacher and you're burned out. Just give up. And you're like Elijah, shut down. Verse 5 says, he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. He was just exhausted. He was just wore out from the long, long hours. And maybe you're that way too. You're just shutting, you're just shut down. You're exhausted. You're burned out. So look at this story. I mean, this is a prophet of God who just came off an incredible mountaintop who is now, I believe, shut down, burned out, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. He's just totally wiped out. So what do you do? What do you do when you're spiritually burned out? And maybe you are this morning. If you're not, you probably will at some point, if you're not careful. So what do you do? Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, rest. Rest. Just rest. Look at verses 5 through 8. So here's Elijah. He's under, under a desert shrub, a broom tree there asleep. Verse 5. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot coals and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Harab, the Mount of God. Wow. That's incredible. Reminds me of the Lord of the Rings when they eat the elfin bread, you know, that gives them that energy. He's this incredible food. <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. But he needed to rest. He needed to be rejuvenated. Look, here's the deal. If you're feeling yourself spiritually burned out, there's nothing wrong with taking a period of rest. There's nothing wrong with rejuvenating yourself. All right? Sometimes we think, you know, wow, you know, if, I, if I'm really spiritual, I won't ever take a vacation and things like that. But what happens is you eventually just burn out. There was two men that were in a wood chopping competition. And the one guy started off and he would just chop and he chopped and he chopped and he never took a break. The other guy, he would chop for a while and he would take a break. Then he'd chop for a while and he'd take another break. And the other guy kept chopping and chopping and chopping. And at the end of the day, when the contest was over, the guy who kept taking the breaks had more wood chopped. And the guy who'd been chopping all day, almost nonstop, he's like, this doesn't make sense. 
I've chopped all day long. And here you would chop for an hour or so, and then you would take a break. Then you would chop for an hour or so, and then take a break. You kept taking all these breaks. How can you have more wood than me? He said, simple. Every time I took a break, I'd sharpen my axe. You never sharpened your axe. You had to work harder and harder and harder with a dollar and dollar axe. You see, we do need to take time for rest. Remember, Jesus, even Jesus recognized time for rest. Even Jesus would say, come apart from the crowd. Let's get away. Let's pull away from the crowd so he could rest. Remember that HALT acronym, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are moments when we really are susceptible. Tired is one of them. When we get tired, it is so easy because we're susceptible. And if we don't take care of ourselves physically, we will burn out spiritually and emotionally and mentally. We will burn out. There was a 19th century preacher named Robert Murray McShane. And after graduating from Edinburgh University at the age of 14 in 1827, he went on to lead a Presbyterian congregation of over 1,000 members at the age of 23. So at 23, he was leading a church that had 1,000 people showing up on Sunday. He worked so hard though that his health finally broke and he died at the age of 29 and right before he died at the age of 29 he said this God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride alas I have killed the horse and now I cannot deliver the message he had burned himself out so much that it killed him rest is not wrong It's okay to take a rest. So the angel of the Lord, Elijah falls asleep. The angel of the Lord says, get up, eat some food. Drink some water. Get rejuvenated. Get rejuvenated. And it says here in the text that after he's rejuvenated, he gets up and he walks for 40 days and 40 nights, which is incredible. Again, this was a God thing. God was doing something, obviously, through this man's body. And he walked 40 days and 40 nights to a place called, if you look in your text, Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, you know what the word Horeb means? It means drought. Desert. That's strange. This guy, we, you say, Jim, that you need to be rejuvenated. You need to get rest if you're going to recover from burnout. But then he goes to this place that means drought. It means desert. What, what Is there something here? Well, I think one thing you could say is this. Having rest is not enough to recover from spiritual burnout. Just having physical rest is not enough. It's important, but it's not enough. So how do you recover from spiritual burnout? Well, let me give you another one. Here's another one. You've got to release. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, look at verse 9. So he gets to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I am left alone, and they are looking to take my life. Now, I think the reason that Elijah went to the Horeb was because it was called the mountain of God, and Elijah was going there because I believe that he wanted to just let God know how he felt. And that was known as the mountain of God. So he was going to go to the mountain of God and he was going to unload on God. So Elijah unloads on God. He tells him exactly how he feels. I'm the only one left. Your people have turned down your altars. Your people have abandoned you. I've put my life on you. I've done all this, God. And now the queen wants to kill me. I'm alone. I don't have anybody with me. I've been physically exhausted. I'm tired. I'm tired of being on the run, God. I am done. 
But you know what? When you and I are burned out spiritually, it's okay to just unload. It's okay. You know, I was thinking of the old hymn, maybe you know it, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. Peter said this, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Look, it's not wrong. Your heavenly father loves you. And it's okay to tell your heavenly father, God, I'm just fried. I'm just, and let it go. Let it go. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he poured out his heart to the Father. He, he prayed to the point where he was dripping drops of blood. He was in anguish. Paul pleaded with God to take away the thorn in the flesh. Moses pleaded with God to let him enter into the promised land. It's okay to plead with God. It's okay to do that. You don't try to be some macho feeling and think it's somehow unspiritual to tell God how you feel. Let it go. Let it go. Now, it doesn't stop there, though. Having physical rest is important. Letting it go. Get it off your chest. Let God know what you're struggling with. That's okay, too. But there's another thing you need to know to recover from spiritual burnout, and that is this. You need to receive it. You need to receive what God's going to tell you. Look at what happens here. Because a lot of times, a lot of Christians don't listen. They just let it go and move on and stay in spiritual burnout. But look at what God says. Then he said, verse 11, go. This is what God says. Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, that little soft whisper, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood by the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Again, Elijah unloads. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. He replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. I got a feeling the very first time back in verse 10 when Elijah said almost his exact same words, he was, ah. And so God responds with the, Ah, thunder, earthquake, fire. And then God brings it down to a whisper. And I think this time when Elijah responds, Elijah, I got a feeling responded with, God, I'm just tired. They're just not, just not responding. I think God kind of calms Elijah down. Just, Elijah, just calm down. Tell me what you're feeling. And again, it wasn't a strong voice of protest this time. I think it was probably this time Elijah responds to him. It was a soft, heartfelt sob of his heart. God, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, here's the deal. When you and I are struggling with burnout, get some rest. It's okay to release your struggles and your feelings to God, but also be willing to listen. 
You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Just, just listen. Just listen. Just listen. And so I think God's got Elijah's attention. Elijah's calmed down. And here's one last thing. Not only do we need to rest and rejuvenate ourselves, not only do we need to release our struggles, not only do we need to receive what God has to say, but we have to resolve to follow. Because look at what happens here. Verse 15, Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive... You are to anoint Haziel as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king. So I want you to anoint a new king. I'm done with Ahab. As king over Israel. And Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, has prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know what Elijah does? He doesn't stay in the cave. He gets up and he goes back. Life didn't change at this point. Jezebel's still on the throne. She's still breathing out threats. But Elijah gets a word from the Lord and he says, okay, I'm going to follow you. And if you go on and you read into that, if you go on and read in 1 Kings and into 2 Kings, you'll find that Elijah continued in his ministry for several more years. He still continued in his ministry. And you'll know that Elijah eventually said, Jezebel, you're going to die. And the dogs are going to eat you. In the streets, he, pre- he gave a prophecy concerning Jezebel. And if you read on, it was under Elisha that that's exactly what happened to Jezebel. Jezebel never killed Elijah. Elijah went. He found Elisha and appointed him. And together, they traveled and did ministry together for the next few years. And Elijah, he anointed Jehu, and he did what God told him to do. And he had a powerful ministry. And if you know the story of Elijah, he's only one of two people in the Bible that never died. And if you know the story, him and Elisha are walking along, and he says, it's time for me to leave. And you know, the chariots of fire came down, and he got in. I don't know. Don't explain. This is God. And he rode off, and he's never died. Elijah and Enoch, the only two people in the Bible that never died. You know what that tells me? God didn't see him as a failure. God didn't say, you're washed up. Forget it. You're no good. You see, sometimes when we have those moments of spiritual burnout, we think, I'm no good. God can never use me. I failed. That's not true. You want to know another person had spiritual burnout? John the Baptist. When he was sitting in prison, he sent a message to Jesus because he was sure that Jesus was going to get him delivered from prison. And he was sitting in prison and he sent his disciples to Jesus and said, should we look for somebody else? This is John the Baptist. I would argue he was spiritually burned out. He was confused. You know what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, man, he's a terrible messenger. Man, my cousin really blew. You know what Jesus said? There's not been a greater one person born from women other than John the Baptist. No greater prophet than him. Why would he say that about a man who's questioning? Well, you know, God realizes we're frail, we're dust. 
We have those moments we all struggle. You may be struggling right now, and Satan's been telling you, you're washed up, you're no good, just give it up. No, rest, release it, receive what God has to say, and resolve to get back in the game. God can and will use you. You say, but Jim, my life's not where I thought it would be. I understand that. I get that one too. But you know what? We're all just dust. Don't worry about it. You just live your life for the Lord. Just be who you are. Serve him with the gifts he's given you. Don't get spiritually burned out. So again, rest. If you're spiritually burned out, if you're watching this and you're just spiritually burned out, just rest. Release it to God. Get on your knees. Just let it go. Listen to what he has to say to you through his word. Get back into his word. Don't ignore his word. What he has to say to you through his people. Get back in church. All right. If you've been hurt by church, go find another one. There's plenty of churches around. And resolve to get back in the game. Remember, you're not alone. God told Elijah, you're not alone, man. I know you think you're alone, Elijah, but you're not. I got 7,000 people. 7,000 people. You're not alone. Get back in the game. And he did. So, question to you. Are you calling on God to recover you from burnout? You can have an epic fail, which we all have those moments, and you can stay burned out and grow cold and callous and drift away. Or you can rest, receive, release, and resolve to get back with the Lord. Where are you at right now? Where are you at right now? And let me just say this this morning. If you're here this morning or you're watching by Facebook and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're separated from God. You have no way of connecting into His life. But if you'll repent and turn from your sins... You don't have to live separated from God. He wants you as his child. Let's pray. Father, I know I've struggled with spiritual burnout before. And Father, I can identify with Elijah because it's easy sometimes just to feel like I'm no better than anybody else. It's so easy to get into the comparison trap. It's so easy to, to work yourself into exhaustion it's so easy to think that you're a failure and father there may be those who are watching on Facebook today or those in this room who feel that way and maybe there's some who've been out of church because they just felt like they were a failure and I, I just hope they hear this morning they're not a failure they just need to rest let it go Receive what you have to say to them. Lord, I pray this morning they're receiving what's being said and that they'll resolve, you know what, I'm just going to serve the Lord with the talents and gifts I have and with the time I have and I'm not going to worry about what other people are doing or what other people think. I'm just going to be me and do my best for the Lord. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, they're never going to find peace. They're never going to find that relationship with God like Elijah had and like those of us who know you have. 
they're never going to have hope because this life is temporary and what a life is it? It's filled with pain and sorrow. Lord, there may be some here this morning that are looking for answers and they're never going to find it unless they acknowledge their sin, turn from it, and ask Christ to be their Savior and put their faith and trust in Him. Maybe there's some this morning that need to do that. Father, I know that you never let go. And I know that even when we have those moments, you're still there for us, just like you were for Elijah. All we have to do is rest and listen. So Lord, for those who are struggling this morning with spiritual burnout, I pray that they've received these words. And Father, they'll turn to you. And they'll follow you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if you're not going through spiritual burnout, I hope you'll tuck this sermon in your back pocket. Because someday you might. And if you are, I pray that today you'll get back on track with the Lord.